This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Episode 6 The Pixie Knots. That night, after dinner, Graham told me to stay at the table and asked Lou to let us talk alone. Shooting me a look like she'd never see me again, Lou grabbed a pickle and the rest of her leftovers and took them out to her fairy garden. I could tell Graham was having a hard time coming up with the right words, which was unusual for her. The room grew uncomfortably quiet. 
I know you and Jack have been friends for a good while now, Graham said finally, but I think it best you didn't spend so much time with him. There was another long silence. You're saying I can't hang out with him? Winnie, look at all the trouble you've gotten into with that boy. Just last week you crossed the part of the creek I specifically told you to avoid, and then you turned right around and sneaked off to the fair. He's not a good influence on you. Those were all my ideas. I could feel myself getting red hot. Jack was the only real friend I had, and she was trying to take him from me. I don't care, she said. Making boneheaded decisions like that have a lot to do with who you're trying to impress. Now, I understand he might not come from the best home life, but what? What do you know about it? Winifred, mate, don't you dare use that tone with me. I don't like you spending time with that boy, and there's nothing else to it. Find new friends, or I'm taking you out of school. Taking me out of school? Yeah, a lot of good that'll do. I started to cry. What are you going to do, lock me up? You can't keep me caged up like, like some prisoner. I stormed up to my room, leaving my grandma with her face in her hands. I continued to cry in my bed until 8 o'clock. I know because that's when I heard Graham start talking to herself up in the attic. Quietly, I sneaked up the stairs to the attic door and pressed my ear up against it to hear better. Sure enough, she was in there jabbing away to herself. I know I yelled, but I had to prove my point, she was saying. He's weak, blindly faithful, and, and foolish. And yet, he does bring out the courage in her. She doesn't even know it. I can practically see her glowing when she comes home from school. No, I can't let that happen. Confused, I pulled away from the door and tiptoed back to my room. As I lay in bed, I thought about what she'd said. I never thought of Jack as someone who brought the courage out of me. If anything, I thought his cowardness was rubbing off. But why would such a thing bother Graham? Wouldn't she want me to have courage? Wouldn't she want me to come home from school glowing? Minutes later, I heard her come down from the attic and go into her room. I waited until I saw the light from her bed lamp click off through the crack of her door. And then, checking to make sure the coast was clear, I snuck out my window and headed for the meeting spot. I had a queen to save. When I got to the ugly oak, Jack was waiting for me. He looked spooked. Jack hated being in the dark. Took you long enough, he said, shifting nervously. Cool your muffins, I got here. The bushes next to us rustled, and Jack let out a terrified squeak. Oliver flew out of the leaves and stopped midair in front of us. Sorry I'm late, he said out of breath. There are a lot of ugly oaks along this creek. I could have used more specific directions. I looked at them. We ready? Oliver and Jack nodded. We had only an hour before the fair closed, so without a second to lose, we headed into the forest. Dry leaves and twigs crunched underfoot as we wound through dark, gnarled trees. Moonlight peeked through the canopies in sharp beams, sometimes illuminating scurrying critters along the forest floor. I knew Jack was probably trembling in his shabby shoes, so I tried to make small talk to distract him from the mysterious noises and shadows. But Jack wasn't having it. He was in a grouchy mood and gave me nothing but grunts and one-word answers. 
I could tell he was peeved he'd been dragged into this. He was only there because he promised me he'd come. Oliver, on the other hand, was having a great time, flying around the dark, twisted branches, talking about all he'd seen since he'd left the carousel. It was like he hadn't been outside in years. He kept talking about how hot the sun was and how loud humans were. Everything seemed so new to him. Apparently, some huge monster with fangs nearly ate him the day before. It was a great story. Until I found out the huge monster was just the Jacobson's blind cat. Come to think of it, he was right. That mean cat was a monster. She hissed and scratched at anything she stumbled into. After bonding over how much we hated the cat, we arrived at the back fence by the carousel. Just as we'd hoped, there was hardly anyone on the carousel, and the attendant working it was the same spaced-out guy that was there a few nights before. He sang lyrics into an invisible microphone and then did a drum solo in the air. He was a one-man imaginary rock band. I glanced around him. The coast was clear. Nodding to the others, I grabbed onto the fence and started to climb. Wait! Jack grabbed me. I thought we were going under. I looked down at him. Good idea. You start digging with your hands and we'll come back and meet you on the other side when you're 30. Jack scowled. He hated sarcasm. Come on, you'll be fine, I said. Jack shook his head. I'll just wait here and make sure nobody's watching. You know, stand guard, be a lookout. Before he could say another word, Oliver shot up into his shirt and lifted him over the fence. Jack flailed and let out a high-pitched squeal that miraculously wasn't heard by anyone as he arched over the fence and landed face-first into the grass on the other side. Get into my shirt again and I'll squish you like a bug, Jack threatened from the ground. Oliver fluttered up from the shirt and sniffed. Oh, still stinks. Once we were over the fence, Oliver hid in my pocket and we made our way to Theo's booth. The little shack looked about as dead as the healthy snack bar. It was a dirty old shed, sitting sadly among the glowing lights of the other attractions. Around it, kids flooded into lines at the roller coasters and Ferris wheel, trying to get one last ride in before the fair closed. The sounds of music and laughter filled the air, and I found myself once again drawn to the unmistakable smell of that wondrous fried apple delight. Maybe I can grab another one real quick on our way out. Oliver's voice interrupted my thoughts. Is that it? He asked as we approached Theo's shack. Sure is, I told him. Up ahead, Theo sat on the porch of his booth with his snake boots propped up on the railing, enjoying a sandwich. He threw down his meal and jumped to his feet when he saw us approaching. <coughs> what are you doing here? He whispered, choking down his last bite. We just... He hushed me before I could say another word and pulled us into his booth. Rudy's been looking everywhere for you. Rudy? Rudolph, the short plump guy that runs this place. He knows you disappeared on the carousel. The kid working it at the time had a fit when he saw you vanish and told just about everybody that works here. Once Rudy found out, he checked the surveillance footage to confirm his suspicions. Or superstitions, I should say. He's put everyone on watch just to find you. Great. As if I didn't have enough going against me already. This is Jack, I said. Jack waved and Theo nodded. Good to see you again. Actually, not so good. 
You need to leave, both of you, before... Yoo-hoo! Came a loud, whiny voice from outside the booth. Theo grabbed his cane and shut up. Quick, hide! He pushed us behind the nearest curtain. I peeked through a gap to see what was going on. In walked Rudy with his usual animal fur coat and shiny rings. His dark, curly hair looked like a Halloween wig on his fat little face. Maybe it was. Maybe he was just a shaved boar in a Halloween costume. Jasper, Rudy snapped. It's Theodore. I haven't heard a report from you in over an hour. Every 15 minutes, remember? Fifteen. That's what we agreed on. Your worthless little booth happens to be in a prime lookout position, so don't blow it. Rudy grabbed Theo's sandwich off the nearby table and started eating it. He spoke through mouthfuls and waved the sandwich around. If that little girl doesn't turn up in the next couple of days, I'll have no choice but to demolish that cursed carousel. I can't afford to have spirits or bad omens driving away my customers. Rudy took another disgusting bite and then looked right at our hiding spot. I froze. Theo cleared his throat nervously. I'll keep a more watchful eye, he promised, showing Rudy the way to the stairs. Rudy looked at the sign outside the booth with a smug expression and then glanced back at our hiding spot. Mysteries, eh? He thought for a second and then stomped back up the stairs with his fat feet right in front of our curtain. Theo chased after him. The silly old tricks is all. Just something to make an extra buck. Rudy looked Theo up and down and then scoffed. You an extra buck, he laughed. How you get anyone to put a penny in that box is beyond me. Oh, I should have put some porta potties in this spot. He went to pull the rope by our curtain. Jack turned away so he wouldn't have to watch as we were revealed. But as soon as he did, he came face to face with that hokey chupacabra in the glass case. He went to scream, but I clasped my hand over his mouth to muffle him. Rudy must have heard the breath because he stopped and frowned at the curtain. Theo panicked. The really popular one, and the only one worth your time, is here behind this curtain. Theo tried to motion to the other curtain, but Rudy just held up his hand like a king silencing a peasant. I'll look behind whichever one I want. His beady eyes bounced between both the curtains, and just before reaching for ours, he changed his mind and pulled the rope of the other. The whooshing sound of the curtain next to me made my heart jump. What is this? he asked. Fairy wings, sir. Theo replied. Rudy stared down at the glass case in a stupor. Where I've never in all my life felt more robbed of three seconds of my time than I do in this very moment. I would have been better off staring at a wall or even talking to you than looking behind this curtain. <laughs> you weren't kidding when you said cheap tricks. Theo silently let out a breath of relief. Sorry to disappoint you, sir. You're absolutely right. It's pathetic. Rudy turned and started down the stairs. I'll just have to dock that time off your next paycheck. He pointed to his eyes with two fingers. Watch out for that girl, Hank. And for crying out loud, at least put like a white baby cheetah or something behind that curtain. A white 
Baby Cheetah. Think about it. Good idea, Theo said, forcing a smile. He was practically pushing Rudy down the stairs to get rid of him. Finally, the man waddled away like a blinged-out penguin, and within seconds was checking the ring toss to make sure it was properly rigged. When he'd reached a safe distance, Jack and I came out from behind the curtain. Jack was white in the face. Was that a chupacabra? he asked. Of all things to be scared of at a time like this, he was spooked by a plastic dog with doll hair. Theo looked at him with a twinkle in his eye. Indeed. You can tell by the upper legs that it has shriveled considerably over time. Given the ten or so deep wrinkles over the thighs, I'd say it died at least a couple months ago. I've had trouble preserving it since. Theo started to explain, but I stopped him. Theo, we came back because we need your help. A familiar giggle from outside stopped me. Oh, I rolled my eyes and walked to the stairs. Just across the path, Lou was giving that same nasty pig another bear hug in her pajamas. Lou! Get in here now! I whispered loudly. Lou stuck her tongue out at me, then looked back at the pig and gave it a kiss on the nose before skipping over to Theo's booth. She was carrying one of Graham's Tupperware. What is that? I asked. She shielded the Tupperware from my reach. Step off, nosy pants. It's a salad for Ollie. Where is he? Theo stroked his beard. You look familiar. This is my sister, Lou. She was here the first night we talked. I looked at her. How did you get here? You didn't hear me? I was following you the whole way. Ugh, I couldn't believe it. How did I not hear that little rat? She continued. Don't worry, Graham was snoring up a storm when I left. Where's Ollie? He's here, isn't he? Theo made an aha face and squatted to get eye level with her. That's right, I remember you. Lou cocked an eyebrow. Why do you have a girly ponytail? She asked with genuine concern. I shook my head. I swear that girl has no filter. Theo smiled. You know, in some cultures it is a sign of wisdom and bravery. Lou wasn't convinced. You look like a hairy cowgirl. Theo chuckled. I've been called worse. Now, who was it you were looking for, my dear? I'm not your dear, and I made this sunflower salad for Winnie's fairy, Oliver. Theo very slowly looked up at me and smiled once he saw my serious expression. I knew it, he whispered. You found them, he said too loud, and then he whispered it. You found them? Can I see him? All of us huddled in the most hidden part of the booth as I reached into my pocket and pulled Oliver out. As I held out my hand, he stretched his little limbs and fluttered his glittering wings. Theo jumped the second he saw him and banged his head on the low shack roof. Ouch! Oh, sweet mother of Hexus! How did you... Is he... Is it... A fairy? Lou helped him finish all questions at once. Theo was as giddy as a schoolboy on Christmas morning. He paced back and forth, fixing his hat and stroking his pointy beard. He kept mumbling things to himself, and I was starting to wonder if he was related to Graham in any way. Finally, he composed himself enough to complete a sentence. Can I... can I touch it? He asked. Sure, I said, holding out my hand. 
Theo reached out his finger for a poke, but was quickly slapped away by Oliver's tiny hand. Watch the hair, Oliver said. Do you have any idea how hard it is to keep it looking like this while being banged around in a pocket? Theo clasped his hands together in front of his mouth. He looked at each of us with glowing eyes. I knew it, he grinned. I had a feeling you'd be the one, Winnie. There was just something about you. He looked back down at Oliver. I have so many questions. They'll have to wait, Oliver replied. We have a much bigger issue on our hands, and my friends here seem to think you can be of assistance. He flew off my hand and hovered in front of Theo's face. Theo went cross-eyed for a moment and then focused on the tiny armored man. Jack was clearly annoyed with Oliver referring to him as a friend. He could hardly look at the fairy without rolling his eyes. Theo, on the other hand, was ecstatic. He, of course, immediately agreed to help without even knowing what the problem was. This was his dream come true. He listened carefully as Oliver explained the situation of having lost their queen and the emergence of the Lunas, the likelihood of her being alive and being held captive, and how we needed his help to locate them in the surrounding forest. Theo took a seat on a rickety chair in the corner and played with his mustache. Lunas, he said quietly. That's what I said. Lunas, Oliver confirmed. For a minute, Theo looked at the ceiling in deep thought, and then stood up and headed for a hidden drawer beneath the chupacabra. He pulled out dusty maps, old papers, and a little box and brought them back to us. What is a Luna? Jack asked. Theo looked at Oliver. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Lunas are the only species of fairy that are carnivorous and use dark pixie magic to wreak havoc across the world. At least that's what I've managed to find on record. Oliver nodded. That's about right. They're the only fairy clan whose origin is unknown, so no one knows what purpose they serve. While the rest of us harvest everything good in this world, they tear it down. My clan, the Orchid clan, was one of the few that stood up to them, and it came at a great price. They took our queen, and we were forced to move underground to avoid being found by the Lunar Scouts. We needed to find a place that allowed us to glow and yet remain hidden at the same time. The old carousel was the perfect location. It's kept us safe for many years. Until now. Jack was a bit overwhelmed by the answer. Did anyone else just hear him say carnivorous fairies? Glowing is essential to your survival, Theo asked Oliver. As breathing air is to humans. For our clan, anyway. If we don't relieve the excess energy, it builds up. I've never seen what happens when it reaches the limit, but I can pretty well imagine what it'd look like. Like little fireworks bursting in the sky, Lou said, making little explosion sounds and gesturing fireworks with her hands. I elbowed her to cut it out. Oliver nodded at Theo's dusty papers. Can you help us locate the Lunas? Theo flipped through his papers and scanned over the pages. There's very little in here on the Lunas, but I do recall... He stopped on a very old piece of paper, littered with holes and splotches, and blew the dust off it right into Jack's glasses, completely kicking the lenses. <coughs> Lovely, Jack mumbled. Sorry, Theo said, and he continued. 
There is a story about the Lunas and their feeding habits. Uh, ah, yes, here it is. After being trapped in the Arctic for weeks, they finally came upon a small village. According to this record, the clan used the narrow freezing waterways to sneak into the village undetected. When the people awoke the next morning, their livestock was gone, eaten by the starving Lunas in the middle of the night. They're silent killers and typically surround their prey before attacking. If this tale is any indication of their innate hunting habits, I'd say to follow the surrounding waterways towards the farms until you smell rotting flesh. I'm out, Jack said almost immediately. What? I said. You know, as much as I'd like to follow the stench of stinking flesh to cow-eating fairies, I think I should sit this one out. I have loads of homework. I grabbed him. You haven't done homework in years. Come on, it won't be that bad. Winnie, there's no way. I touched Jack's arm and gave him my puppy eyes. That's all it took. He sighed. Don't, we're gonna die, he said. Theo looked at Oliver. Leave them out of it. Let me go. I've more experience in this field anyway. No need pushing these young ones into danger. Young ones? Lou got up in Theo's face. More experience? Listen, bub, nobody knows more about fairies than me. She poked him in the chest. What time do fairies typically go to sleep, huh? What do they eat? What are their pet peeves? What does it sound like when they fart? How do they find a mate? Oliver shrugged his shoulders. I don't even know the answer to that last one. Theo put his hand on Lou's shoulder. I'm sorry I doubted you. I only mean to protect you. Oliver landed on my shoulder. I chose Winnie, not only because she has a curious sensitivity that leads her to find fairies, as she did with me, but she is immune to pixie magic. Theo stared at me with his confused, bushy eyebrows. Impossible, he whispered. I saw it for myself, Oliver said. She is the only one who can complete the mission. Who she chooses to bring along is her choice. With your maps and my knowledge, we can find their camp and be back with the Queen within a week. Theo gave me a concerned look. Are you sure you want to do this? Absolutely. Theo thought for a moment, scratching his beard, and then said, Then here, take this with you. He opened the box by his chair and revealed an old black glove. Wear this, and when you're in trouble, count to three. He demonstrated by counting to three with his fingers. I think I know how to count to three, thanks. I took the glove. What is it? Theo propped himself up straight on his cane. Honestly, I don't know. But if it's what I hope it is, it could be enough to save you. Well, that was vague. I looked at the black leather glove. A line of red jewels went from the wrist up to the three middle fingers. Thanks. I said, putting it in my pocket. Theo looked at all of us and smiled as if just realizing something. Would you look at that? True pixie knots. Pixie knots? Jack asked. In ancient times, those that bridged the gap between fairies and humans were known as pixie knots. They were trailblazers and explorers of new fairy worlds. 
united in bringing balance to our species' coexistence. If ever there was a group more deserving of the title, it would be you. The three of us stood up a little straighter. Pixie knots. I liked the sound of it. I'd always wanted to belong to a club of some kind. A secret club. One with a purpose and responsibility. I could tell Jack was impressed too, but hesitantly so, as he didn't know what that meant he'd have to do. Lou could have cared less. She just wanted more than anything for Oliver to try her salad. As if reading her mind, he said, Lou, is that what I think it is? He pulled his wavy red hair back and flew over to her. Lou proudly opened the lid. You bet your little fairy butt. Look, there's nuts, greens from my garden, and hazelberries. Oliver dove into the salad and started stuffing his face. Lou was thrilled. She looked at us. He likes it, she said with her nose in the air, but I knew what she really meant. He likes me, was what she was thinking. Jack stared anxiously at the booth's exit. I think we've stayed long enough. Poke holes in that lid or something. We gotta go. He's right, I told Theo. We'll keep you in the loop. Theo nodded. I'll make sure the carousel is protected. Remember, one, two, three. He counted with his fingers again. Got it. My fellow Pixie Knots and I peeked out to make sure the coast was clear and then headed back to the fence. Little did we know, Rudy watched our escape from behind the caramel apple stand. Rocketerials. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Winnie and the Pixie Knots, which of course is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. Do me a favor and leave a review wherever you listen to the show and let me know what you think or shoot me an email. I'd love to hear your feedback. You know, a little side note, I have some pretty fond memories of going to the state fair when I was younger. Not super young. I don't think I went until I was a teenager. But I remember going and experiencing the sights, sounds, and smells of the fair for the first time. And it was pretty magical. The only thing that made it more magical was when I went up to this little stand and got myself a deep-fried Snickers bar. That's right, a Snickers bar. Dipped in batter and then deep-fried and drizzled with powdered sugar. It was ridiculous. Okay, guys? It was probably a week's worth of calories, but totally worth it. Anyway, that same night that I went and tried that deep-fried Snickers, I found a booth that was much like Theo's mystery booth where you pay to look behind a curtain at something mysterious. And I remember I paid a dollar and this man opened the curtain and there was this 
what was clearly a fake chupacabra or this weird little dog-like creature, but it was basically a doll. And this guy had this big elaborate story about this chupacabra. And I just ate up every second of his story and it was worth my dollar. And then some, as I'm sitting there stuffing my face with this deep fried stickers on a stick with wide eyes, listening to this gentleman tell me about this plastic chupacabra in the case. You guys, it was awesome. So if you ever get that opportunity, I'd recommend it. But be careful, Rocketeers. You need to make sure you always have a parent. Anyway, little side story. Thank you guys for listening, and don't forget to tune in next time for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.